Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. That's the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show sponsored by Betfair. I'm Ali Maxwell. George Ellick's with me. Hello. Couple of things to mention here, George. Firstly, first ever recording from, what are we calling it, NTT20 Towers? That's what people often call an office to make it sound more exciting than it actually is. Very cold. Very cold for a tower. We hope that some of you will have enjoyed the output this week on our freshly launched TikTok channel, on our Instagram page with some real action. Uh, one nice segment put up on our YouTube channel as well. We're really looking to expand across 2023 and and, and those new platforms are going to be uh, being populated with some Not The Top 20 content. So make sure that whether you're on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok or all three, if you search Not The Top 20 podcast or NTT 20 pod, you can drop us a follow on all of those platforms. Help us get up and running. Any support you can lend us will be very, very, much appreciated this podcast is for over 18s only it'll be george and myself making uh, betting picks ahead of the efl weekend's frosty docket so uh, that means it's uh, for very strictly over 18s only and also we ask that anyone listening uh, be gamble aware make sure you understand the risks that come with gambling uh, last week for you three out of five called off your nap was on and was a loser, Tramier, uh, underperforming at Grimsby. Your goals winner on Monday night, thanks to Jedley Wallace's wizardry delivery. Mm. Um, 2-1 in Sunderland, West Brom, over 2.5 goals at even money. It was a good pick. Uh, as for me, Sutton, my nap got up. Basically, the only consistent winning picks for me this season have been getting against Colchester United. So thanks <laughs> for that. Uh, Watford, I laid at home to Hull and it was nil-nil. So that was a good thing. Uh, my goals bet was a loser and the other two were called off. So let's hope for a, a few more games actually going ahead this weekend. Let's see how the picks go, George. What's your best bet in the EFL? What's your nap? My best bet is in the, the game of the weekend, I think, in the EFL between Burnley and Middlesbrough, um, where you've got Burnley, who are the best team in the championship, in my mind, I know that Blades fans will point to their destruction of them before the, the World Cup as being the reason for them being better. Uh, in my mind, that was a bit of a one-off, and, and I fancy Burnley to, to end up winning the league this season, which is reflected in the in the betting markets as well. They are four to five favourites to win the championship, ahead of Sheffield United at 13-5 to five with the Betfair Sportsbook, uh, against a Middlesbrough side who are... I think I'm right in saying the um, form team in the championship, in the form table at the moment, they are currently third. They've got 13 points from their last six games. Uh, only Sheffield United and Burnley have more. So um, a kind of clash between the best team and a side of Middlesbrough who I think feel like, as they did this time last year under Chris Wilder, there's something pretty special happening at the club under their new manager, Michael Carrick. The prices here have Burnley at uh, 21 to 20, Middlesbrough at 13 to 5 and the draw at 12 to 5. And with no disrespect at all to Borough, I'm I'm pretty strong on backing Burnley at anything odds against or even money here um, at 21 to 20. To put this into kind of betting terms, I guess, when the home team is six to five, roughly, that means that if the two teams were to play at a neutral venue, they would be picking prices, basically. So like if, if, a, if the home team is six to five, you know, there's a bit of noise here either way if a team has like an, an anomalously good or bad home or away record. But generally, that would mean that if they were to play at Wembley, um, they would be the same price to win the game. So here you've got Burnley at 21 to 20, which would make them just about favourites to win um, at a neutral venue. And I think the discrepancy between these two sides is much bigger. And I think there's a little bit 
of a case here where Burnley are still being pretty undervalued in the market. You know, they were a very backable price at kind of 2.3, I think they were, against QPR, which they won 3-0 away from home last time out. And pretty regularly, I think it's quite rare that you get to back the class team in the division, especially one in the championship where you do feel like the better teams in the league are normally quite a bit better than, than the rest. Mm. You know, if this was a Leeds or a Fulham, there's absolutely no chance you'd be getting any, anywhere near those kind of prices. And I, and I don't think Burnley are that much worse than them. Then you look at the home and away records as well. Um, Burnley haven't lost at home this season. When you're looking at them playing teams in the kind of top seven so far, they beat Blackburn 3-0, they beat Norwich 1-0, they beat Millwall 2-0, they beat uh, um, Swansea 4-0. This is a side who have shown themselves to be very, very capable at putting away the best teams in the league. And although Borough have obviously improved under Michael Carrick, they've lost six away games this season, five of which have come against teams currently in the top eight. So again, Borough coming unstuck against sides who um, have performed well already this season. Their away form has definitely improved under Carrick. And we should say last time they played on the road, they did beat Norwich, who are in that top eight. That's the one difference. But the other two wins came against a Hull side who were at an incredibly low ebb uh, before Rossini's appointment. And then a Blackpool team who, off the back of that, um, you know, Michael Appleton um, and his you know, Blackpool fans' relationship with him had soured. And that was also in the middle of, of a, a bad run that hasn't yet ended. So two fairly easy games to, to win away from home, albeit convincingly. Uh, and then, uh, you know, definitely an impressive win against Norwich. It's also the, the way that Borough are winning their games. Matt Crook's, nine, you know, stoppage time goals in order to, to get the three points. Yes, it's impressive and yes they are big wins but it's not like they're exerting massive dominance over the better sides in the division they are doing it late unlike Burnley who again we are seeing winning games pretty comfortably whether it is the, the win at QPR last week the 3-0 and the 4-0 that I mentioned at home here uh, the 4-2 the win over Sunderland the 5-1 win over, over Wigan they've often shown this season that when they're at it they are very much at it um, the two games they've lost this season have come against Watford uh, right at the beginning of the season and of course that 5-2 defeat against Sheffield United um, I just think that they are at this stage, there's way more evidence to suggest that Burnley are the best team in the league rather than a Borough side who are undergoing a period of, of very good form under Carrick but isn't necessar necessarily sustainable. To think that off the back of this, Borough should be priced up as near enough uh, on, on, on par with Burnley um, I think is, is fanciful. So no disrespect for, to Borough. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they, um, you know, if, if they put in a, a, a massive performance at Burnley but valuing a Burnley win or pricing up a Burnley win as being less than a 50% chance, I think, is is wrong. So my nap is uh, is Burnley at 21 to 20. Quite nice for the betting show narrative is that I'm picking Sheffield United to win at Wigan as my nap. This game's on Monday night, live on Sky. The, the price is 19 to 20, so 1.95 in the decimal with the Betfair Sportsbook. I think there's a really good Monday pod discussion to be had at this moment in time about Burnley and Sheffield United uh, and trying to sift through what we've seen so far, sift through the results, the underlying numbers, whatnot, and, and have a good discussion about the best team in the league. Because I, while I don't strongly disagree with you that Burnley are the best side in the league, I think there's an extent to which Sheffield United, Sheffield United rather, are being underrated because there's so much focus on Burnley. They have looked absolutely excellent. They have scored a lot of goals. But I also think there's a kind of slight media narrative-y aspect to this focus on Burnley because of Vanson Company, because of the style of play. I really think that there is, despite there being, what, three points between the teams at the moment, very little between Sheffield United and Burnley. If I had to pick, if I had to back one of them to win the league now, I'd pick Sheffield United based on the prices. 
Sheffield United's dropped points came in one stretch of six games where their injury list was a joke. And sometimes I'm not that sympathetic about managers or fans or teams bleating about injuries. This was such an injury crisis that even I was accepting that it was going to be having a big impact on performances. There were there were two or three games where they had, to my eyes, like 11 or 12 first-team players missing. You know, maybe three starters that you'd say would, would start if everyone was fit. And they had a poor run of six games. Before then, I think they won seven of their first 10. Since then, they've won five of six. The performances are sturdy as hell. The underlying numbers are better than Burnley's, who are running massively hot in terms of their finishing. They've got pretty similar XG4 output, but Burnley have scored 11 goals more. uh, And they have got some quality players and individually maybe, or probably definitely better attacking players than Sheffield United. So that might play a role. But broadly, what they're creating is similar. Um, And defensively, I think Sheffield United are are probably more sturdy, I I would say, than Burnley. So this isn't a Sheffield United against Burnley thing. In fact, we can celebrate both of them because you've picked Burnley and I'm picking (laughs) Sheffield United. They're away at Wigan here. Tons of their players are back now. If you look at the bench last week in their win against Huddersfield, Sunderberger back and on the bench, presumably ready to start now. McBurney had a little bit of surgery and a little bit of court case uh, since we last saw him. Came off the bench, probably ready to start now, putting up absurd numbers this season. Is his hernia better? His hernia is fine. Um, even at wing back, where they've really struggled all season, Max Lowe and Jaden Bogle are both back. So suddenly they've got two good wing backs on either side. They're up against the Wigan side, who I saw in the flesh last week. Colo Torres first game away at Millwall. And it was both a good point and a decent performance. And I could see why the fans would have been really pleased with their first game under Torre. It also left me a little unsure as to how successful I think he's going to be in the short term, particularly with what I think is a squad with too many poor players, particularly at fullback. It, it was it was watching them last Saturday, and I, I'm not that interested in like calling out players that I don't think are very good for the level. But particularly at fullback, I, fe- I felt that Wigan are a level below what what might be needed at this level, particularly to play the sort of style that it looks like Torre wants to play. Uh, they want to be much more ambitious in possession, playing from the back. Curtis Tilt felt like he was on the ball for 50% of that game, which was an all right thing in the end. He played one particularly good pass in the build-up to their goal. He had one quite exciting um, like 50-yard carry. But overall, that's going to be not a net positive for, for Wigan. So I think I could see some teething issues based on the change of style as well. Torre clearly wants to be more ambitious in possession. I'm sure there'll be good moments, but I'm also going to predict some hairy ones as well. So for this game, potential teething issues, mainly the fact that Sheffield United, I think, are just so much stronger individually all over the pitch. I expect them to win this 1.95 the price. Uh, I like that, you know, that we've picked first and second in the championship in mid-December. That feels quite rare <laughs> to back mm. for the top two in the championship so uh, that's the main thing to watch this weekend George's nap Burnley my nap Sheffield United what's your next best I mean it's I feel like the insight here um isn't really that niche uh, given we've got three leagues to choose from but my next best is Watford <laughs> so we've got Burnley Sheffield United and Watford so far looking forward to you tipping up Norwich as your next uh, selection yeah Watford at um even money at Huddersfield now this is mainly an anti-Huddersfield stance, I would say. I, I wouldn't say I'm particularly convinced at the moment by by Watford under Slaven Bilic, although they have definitely solidified somewhat, um, although the Ishmael Yassar, um saga, uh, spelt S-A-R-R, 
Lovely. GA really um, nice. is you know who knows what's going to happen but I don't think it really matters here I, I mentioned on Monday's show that I'm getting pretty bad vibes about Huddersfield at the moment if you take their last eight championship games they've only scored three goals two of those goals came uh, in one game against QPR which they won 2-1 but they were kind of battered in um, fluke one of yes, them pure fluke exactly <laughs> um, they so they've they've drawn blanks in, in six of their last eight Coming up against a, a Watford side who've kept three clean sheets in a row. Um, yes, they've drawn two of those games nil-nil, but uh, teams are, are, are getting pretty uh, quite a lot of joy against Huddersfield at the moment. So I, I don't think Huddersfield are going to cause Watford too many problems. It just comes down to whether or not Watford have the attacking quality to to, to punish Huddersfield, and I think that they probably do. Um, they are due to score. You know, they've created plenty of chances in the last two games. Menage missed a big one. Uh, Nicky in the in the last uh, in their in their draw uh, nil-nil against. It was against last. I mean, it was another. It was draw. against Hull. I laid them. Oh yeah, called well it. Done. Thank you. Um, anyway, so it's yeah, it's it's basically in my mind you've got a League One standard team in Huddersfield playing up against a team in Watford who are going to finish in the top six probably. But at the end of the day, when uh, the cream rises to the top purely because the the caliber of their players, the um, the business we're already seeing them do uh, ahead of January suggests they're going to be investing pretty heavily to try and convert what is not a particularly good addition to the championship into a promotion and Slavin Bilic who we know is is at the very worst a very capable uh, championship manager and at his best can uh, get teams playing very well so you know away from home even money I always say isn't some people's bag but uh, this is you know if this was a cup game next season which I think it probably could be between a league one side and a, and a relegation candidate Premier League side you wouldn't be getting even money the away team so um, yeah that's my next best. So for my next best I have to back Bristol Rovers at 12 to 5 against Charlton at the Valley this weekend. Quite a lot of chat about Charlton on the Monday pod uh, about the the state of the club and our opinions as to who takes the blame. They've sacked Ben Garner, they've got Anthony Hayes in as an interim manager. In certainly my opinion and I think in George's opinion as well, this is not a case that you get sometimes of club sacks blatantly underperforming manager and everything's okay because a in the interim the new guy just lifts it, lifts it a little bit and the better atmosphere leads to better performances and then in the long term they could hire a better manager and their fortunes may change for the better i think we're both of the opinion that the vibe is so bad at charlton at the moment that in the short term the only thing that can and will kind of jumpstart change will be a change of ownership basically and that may happen soon and that would be fantastic but I don't necessarily buy that Ben Garner was a big issue at Charlton and that his sacking just defaults them back to being a top half league one side not 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 at all I think Bristol Rovers are a fair amount better than Charlton right now I think in terms of the personality and confidence of the two teams I can't think of of many teams in the whole EFL that I see as being more on it right now than Bristol Rovers the recent form table probably doesn't do it justice because they've played five of the top seven in League One in their last seven games. Uh, they beat Posh, they lost to Derby, they drew with Argyle, Sheffield Wednesday and Bolton. According to Fox Punter's XG tables, Bristol Rovers have the third best, best XG ratio in League One over the last eight games. That's with playing five of the top seven in that time. So you can, you can almost juice the numbers further based on the strength of their opponent. Coburn is an absolute menace, an absolute problem. Uh, and him and Mark Quist linked up really well in the midweek Pizza Cup game. That's important because, and this is the big issue, Aaron Collins took a big whack in midweek. Barton didn't seem clear as to whether he'd be available here or not. So team news might not be in my favour here. But I still think, even without Collins, there's this 
aggressive confidence and swagger that Bristol Rovers have that I don't see at all at Charlton. I don't see any confidence. I don't see any aggression. I don't see much swagger. Maybe Anthony Hayes, since their cup defeat to Stockport, will have breathed new life into this team, this squad of players. My feeling is that that won't be the case. Um, Stockley's back from suspension. That's a positive for Charlton, just because they've been playing without a striker for the last few weeks. Now, the Charlton fans will tell you that playing with Stockley in the last month or two has been like playing without a striker. I think that's a little bit harsh. I don't think there's a style of play. Well, I think there's a specific style of play that Stockley needs. That's not how Charlton have been playing. Uh, Innes should be back in defence as well. So the team news is probably against us, but Bristol Rovers at 12-5 to 5 at the Valley. I can't ignore it. So that's my next best. Even if Aaron Collins is out, I would still back this. Um, I think that Rovers are currently playing like a top six League One team. So I'm keen to get with them here. Uh, don't forget, it's bet 10, get two with the Betfair Sportsbook. That means if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. At terms and conditions in the description of the podcast. Bet 10, get two with the Betfair Sportsbook. Using the exchange, George, time to put up a lay, which I found quite difficult this week. Yeah, not me. Good. Uh, I'm laying Pompey at 1.98 at home to MK Dons. Um, start with MK Dons because uh, this is the first game of the post-Liam Manning era. I uh, spoke about it at length on Monday, so I'm not going to go too much into it again. But it does feel to me, you know, and, and new listeners to the show, um, this isn't, for, you know, old listeners will know this, but I'm, I'm not a subscriber to the new manager bounce. I think that, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't not believe in it, but I think the reasons usually attributed to it are, are false. I do think this is ripe for, for that kind of thing where you've got a team in MK Dons who were so bad um, for the most part this season, who've been a bit of a moneymaker um, for, for plenty of us who picked up on it early on. Um, but Liam Sweeting alluded to the fact that there were signs that things have, have, have been improving over the last couple of weeks. And that's definitely true. You know, taking small sample XG data is uh, never that clever, but they've got a, you know, their, their goal difference over the last four games in literal terms in goals terms is minus five their expected goal difference is I think plus two so you can see there or plus 1.6 or something so you can see there that there's a you know a, a big swing in terms of the results over the last few weeks and the way the games have gone they are missing plenty of opportunities teams aren't creating loads against them but are still scoring so this feels ripe for me for a side who nothing much really has to change and things are going to fall into their lap at some point. And it couldn't really come up against a better side than a team in Pompey, who I think is still massively overrated by the market. You look at their recent games and performances, and they've been really poor, fairly consistently. They are right down towards the bottom of that same kind of four-game four uh, XG table, with a massive negative difference. Uh, there's very little to like in terms of the performances recently as well. They haven't won since a 1-0 win over Forest Green back at the uh, on the 22nd of October. Since then, they drew um, four games in a row, then lost last time out against Wickham in a game where they had very little. And even before that, they had a, a losing run as well. So I think it's one win in their last 10. Um, Danny Cowley coming under some pressure from Pompey fans. Any thoughts after that? incredible winning run early in the season that they would be automatic promotion candidates has gone I think they've got a, a big job on their hands to um, solidify their places as, as playoff contenders at the moment the way things are going so um, I am concerned for them going forwards and to be able to lay them odds on albeit against the side who've been so poor this season with some evidence to suggest that they have improved even if results haven't come alongside it um, yeah I am uh, I'm I, I think this is a uh, a way too short price about a team with, with loads of holes to pick in it. So uh, laying Pompey at 1.98 is my lay. Uh, I'm laying Cardiff City 1.93 uh, against Blackpool. Now, 
as I said, this wasn't the section that had a big standout pick for me this week. So I'll, I'll flag that up early. I realised that Blackpool are in very poor form. I am very aware that their fan base seemed to have turned on Michael Appleton as quickly as they decided he was class by early September, um, which we uh, which we noted at the time. The 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 glowing references that that you got in various tweets about Michael Appleton, um, in particular about how proactive he was with his changes uh, from what I can see now the opposite is true and and now the big sticking point with Appleton among other things is that he doesn't do enough mm. when things aren't going their way so uh, it's hard to know exactly what the reality is uh, at the moment I, I definitely think they've dropped off a little uh, in the last few games of course we've had a World Cup break they came back from it and they drew nil all at home to Birmingham City Birmingham were probably the better side and Blackpool definitely seem to have lost a bit of the attacking vigour that was kind of their, like the one thing that I think was really going for them um, before the World Cup break. So I do rate Blackpool as a bottom six team, I should say that. I guess I just don't rate Cardiff miles higher than that right now. I think you're a bit hotter on Hudson and Cardiff um, compared to myself. Since Morrison sacked, since Morrison was sacked, it's been four wins, two draws and six defeats uh, for Hudson. So he's winning one in three. Their, their underlying performance numbers are still fairly unremarkable albeit a little bit better uh, there have been a few good performances and results in there but I still feel that Cardiff find it hard to impose themselves and dominate games and this is the sort of game where the onus is going to be on them to do so it's possible that I'm underestimating how bad things are at Blackpool right now and I might end up with egg on my face on that front I don't think I'm just ready to go full panic stations yet with Appleton and Blackpool and basically I don't feel like Cardiff have shown enough to be odds on in a championship game at the moment. So that's my lay. I've laid Cardiff at 1.93 with the Betfair exchange. Uh, let's have some goals fun now. Yeah, I'm doing one of these. I mean, it's been, uh, hasn't been very successful for me this season uh, doing this, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, over two and a half West Bromwich Albion goals Ooh. at two to one um, who host Rotherham. Uh, yeah, Baggy's clearly in a much better vein of form uh, with the appointment of Carlos Corbran. Um, you know, we spoke about it on Monday. I don't think necessarily a great deal has happened, but they do look to be uh, far more assured in front of goal. And, you know, if you look at the two players who scored in the 2 women over Sunderland, um, having Daryl DK available, albeit probably not from for, for 90 minutes, is a massive bonus. We know how good he can be in the championship. And um, Tom Rogic is a player who came to West Brom with a, a massive reputation in terms of talent. Things quite clearly haven't gone to plan off the pitch, uh, but he showed his quality with an unbelievable uh, finish uh, to make the game one all against Sunderland. And, you know, adding those two bits of quality to a side that already contains uh, Swift, Wallace, Grant, um, Thomas Asante, there's so much attacking threat here. Up against the Rotherham side, whose underlying data is incredibly troubling. I think they are on average over their last 12 games, losing the XG battle by more than a goal a game, um, which is, I mean, that's not only relegation form, that is, you know, you're struggling for points kind of form, uh, if that continues. They haven't, the results haven't been good either. They probably haven't been quite as bad as the as that kind of data line suggests, but I am really concerned for them. Um, you know, Matt Taylor has a massive job on his hands to keep them up. As I said on Monday, they're now the second favourites relegation, um, and I think that will continue to, to tumble. So you've got a side in West Brom who have found their attacking form. You've got a side in Rotherham who are struggling to keep uh, teams at bay. To be getting over two and a half goals for Baggies to score three or more, I think is uh, is very, very generous. So that's my goals bet. Bit distracted while you were talking there when I saw the news that the world's largest aquarium has burst in Berlin. I know. Plenty more fish in the sea. That's, well, 
a depleting amount of fish yeah, in the true. sea, sadly. Why would the world's biggest aquarium be in a hotel in Berlin? That's something to maybe something to look at off air. Uh, I'm having some some nine to one fun uh, for my goals mm. pick. Um, last week was cold. Uh, a lot of games were called off. The games that did go ahead in the EFL, some of them never really thawed out, to be honest, as football matches. So six of 27 fixtures last week were nil-nil. Uh, two out of 12 in the champ, two out of nine in League One, and two out of the six that went ahead in League Two. So 22% of games, uh, more than one in five, were nil-nil last weekend. Uh, if you make it nil-nil or one-nil either way, so under 1.5 goals in betting terms, uh, you're looking at 13 out of 27. So just under 50% of games last week went under 1.5 goals. And if there's one thing I love to do, it's take a tiny sample size, uh, acknowledge that it's a <laughs> tiny sample size. And then punt it. Still try and make a conclusion or two anyway. Um, given that temperatures are expected to remain pretty low uh, on Saturday, I thought we could try and have some fun and hit a... And under 1.5 goals double. So the games I've selected are both in League Two. Um, some sort of theory about the quality of player being worse and therefore the adverse weather conditions reducing the quality of play even further and that somehow leading to fewer goals. It, it, it could be complete nonsense, but let's give it a go. Hartlepool-Newport is the first game. A nine to four uh, under 1.5 goals. I watched Hartlepool last Friday at Crawley in a game that they won, a brilliant result, what their first away win of the season, and a style of play that, as I mentioned on Monday, I just cannot see working in most League Two games, and probably not against Newport. But I think Curl will still go for this really stodgy 3-5-2, very little attacking ambition, very little um, attacking uh, sort of intense from any of their players outside of a front two that they mostly just pumped the ball up to and they scored two goals from set pieces against Crawley that's fine I don't think it translates to a game against Newport who are pretty strong on that front um, I can see a pretty similar game breaking out to, to the game against Crawley last week very very low margin stuff ball in play time probably 45 minutes um, and I think they're, they're much less likely to score from a set piece but I could also see them uh, giving Newport a pretty tough time in terms of breaking them down. Newport obviously much better under Cochrane uh, since late October, but a pretty poor performance last week. They drew a blank at home against Doncaster, and I'm, I'm hoping that they might do the same here. So Hartlepool Newport uh, under 1.5 goals at nine to four, doubled up with Colchester and Salford. Salford have been very subpar uh, in the last two months. A really weird drop off that we're a bit confused about. Under 1.5 has cocked in nine of their 20 games this season, so just under half, including five out of 10 away. And that's even before the cold snap. Uh, Cole U, eight of their 21 have been under 1.5 goals. As listeners of this pod know, I don't rate them going forward. They're a bit better at home, but only slightly. Uh, and the good news is at home, they don't tend to give much away. So uh, under 1.5 goals, Cole U against Salford, 21 to 10. The double is 10.08 with the Betfair Sportsbook. So just over 9 to 1, under 1 1.5 goals. Hartlepool Newport and Colu Salford. Uh, Betfair's Bet Builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. You can easily find uh, the trending Football League Bet Builder selections and add them to your bet slip in just one tap. Uh, if you look at the uh, football section of the Betfair Sportsbook app, you'll see the uh, trending Bet Builder selections at the top of the page there, which just leaves us the task of finding someone that's going to kick the ball in the goal, George, yes. at a nice price. I was going to replicate my pick from last week with Cole Stockton, um, who was 7-2 to two, uh, to score at Plymouth Argyle, but he's been cut to 3-1, to one, and I'm not really willing to back him at pretty much the same price this week, away, away at Plymouth Argyle as he was at Missed home. Missed the boat there. 
yeah. frustrating. It feels harsh. Um, so I am going to pick a player from your next best, that noisy Charlton um, Bristol Rovers game. Because I do agree. I mean, I, I, there seems to be quite a big disconnect between the narrative around Charlton's performances and the numbers um, f- over the course of the season rather than short term, which I guess is why the price is, is what it is. Um, but I do agree with you. And I think that backing a Bristol Rovers player to score at this juncture, given um, you know their attacking prowess and, and the fact that we know, I mean, I'm pretty confident they're going to be able to create chances against Charlton uh, on Saturday is, is the way to play this. Um, but a lot of their players are very short. Collins being possibly absent plays into this as well. And I'm going to take a chance on Scott Sinclair at 130 as being the overpriced one. Um, he has been playing in a, a kind of a more withdrawn right midfield role than maybe we were used to seeing him play in his heyday. Uh, but having said that, he has already scored a goal in one of two starts in the FA Cup. He's already scored one goal in 400 minutes um, in the League One this season. He missed a big chance, and that is a you know an opt to find big chance yeah. rather than me saying big chance against Port Vale. Fact. Uh, yeah, a factual big chance um, <laughs> against Port Vale in the 1-0 win last time we saw them, in which he played 90 minutes as well, suggesting that he is, I think now, a first-choice player who's up to full fitness. Fit as a fiddle. And if, and if it is Collins, if Collins does come out, we know that Sinclair is someone who has the capability of, of, of kind of playing further forward. So there is a possibility that that might happen here as well. So at 130, when you've got, you know, the, the strikers are kind of 6 to 5, 11 to 10 and stuff, he does feel to me like the one who might be more of a goal threat possibly than the um than the markets have him at and, and we know that there's no denying his uh, his ability to score goals as well so scott sinclair i mean i classic one of those if you told me back in uh, in july i'd be tipping up scott sinclair to score any time <laughs> against charlton that is the beauty of the efl um but yeah scott sinclair my goals picker my my goal scorer pick at 130 anytime peyton manning eli manning chelsea manning kevin manning Ke- who's kevin manning he's a jockey he's a jockey <laughs> yeah yeah can he score he can ride winners this season he's basically stopped he's ridden three winners from 16 rides in the last five seasons uh, that's in that's in the in, in GB 8% strike rate in, in, in Ireland 8% mm. okay Liam Manning Ryan Manning is who we're talking about three goals in 19 appearances for Swansea uh, this season formerly a left back a left wing back looked from last week in their game against Norwich that he's basically playing as a pure left winger at this point Ryan Manning he's 22 to 1 to score first and last and 10 to 1 to score anytime uh, this is Swansea against Coventry and it's one of those that I get quite excited about during research and so far they don't come in but Wins. I think if you keep doing the right things uh, then you will get rewarded and Ryan Manning's well, wow, his last five league games, two shots, two shots, two shots, two shots, three shots. Uh, there's a goal in there against Wigan. There's one off the post in there against Birmingham. He's actually had the 10th most shots in the championship since the start of November. Um, as I said, three goals in 19 appearances, so uh, about one in six. And he's on free kicks as well. That's the sort of guy that I want to be backing at 10 to 1 anytime. Uh, up against likely Josh Eccles, right wing back for Coventry, quite inexperienced, uh, certainly came through as a midfielder, has been playing right wing back for Coventry. I'd be, I'd, it'd be wrong for me to say he's a big weakness because I haven't seen enough specific Eccles defensively to know that, but uh, it certainly yeah, it gives me some, some more confidence, I'd say, with the Manning pick. Um, I definitely want a piece of the bigger prices. Quite often I just pick any time prices, but when it's up at this 
22 to 1 first and last, and I've got a good feeling Take about it. it. You have to have a bit of a go. So split stakes, quarter point first at 22 to 1, quarter point last at 22 to 1, and half a point at 10 to 1. Ryan Manning on. to do the business. For the record, you mentioned last week's pick, Stockton. That was mm. called off. My last week's pick, you'll remember I was pretty excited about Will Collar of Stockport. That game was also called off. He's at 7-2 to two rather than 4-1 to one this week against Jills. I'll be backing that as well. Um, I, th- I still think that's a good price, but the more exciting price and therefore the pick for the show is Ryan Manning at 10-1 to one anytime with a quarter point on first and last. So, George, fingers crossed for not too many postponements because that really would be boring and it, uh, it always feels like a bit of a... Oh, if they're calling off games at Turf Moor and uh, Huddersfield and where's your... Uh, Wigan. And Wigan, then game's gone. Fine. Well, the games are on. <laughs> Please recap your selections. Uh, Burnley and my nap uh, to beat Borough. Uh, Watford at Huddersfield, my next best. Laying Pompey at uh, home to MK Dons. Over two and a half West Bromwich Albion goals um, at two to one against Rotherham is my goals bet. And Scott Sinclair to roll back the years and, and score any time at the Valley at 130. He scored like two weeks ago. He'll be rolling back the weeks. No, roll back the years in terms of performance level. Oh, okay. He's going to be that good. <laughs> my nap is Sheffield United, 1.95. That's 19 to 20 with the Betfair Sportsbook. My next best, Bristol Rovers, 12 to 5, having a go uh, against Charlton at the Valley. I've laid Cardiff at 1.93. Uh, my goals pick is an under 1.5 goals double. That's Hartlepool, Newport and Salford, Colchester in League 2. Uh, the double is 10.08 with the Betfair Sportsbook, just over 9 to 1. And my goal scorer... Ryan Manning of Swansea, 22 to 1 first and last, a quarter point on each and 10 to 1 anytime, half a point there. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this week's Not the Top 20 podcast betting show. We're sponsored by Betfair. Very grateful to Betfair for their continued support of this pod and the Monday pod. That's where you'll hear us next. Join us on Monday. Make sure you subscribe to this feed. Other parish notices. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Search Not the Top 20 podcast on those platforms. You will be delivered content if you follow us on those platforms, if you want more from us. And join us on the Not The Top 20 squad as well if you want to be talking EFL with us and 150 other EFL-obsessed legends every single day, topics for everything you can think of. Join us on the NTT 20 squad. You can do so with a two-week free trial, so you don't have to join up straight away and pay the monthly fee. Give it two weeks, see what you think. We're pretty confident you'll stick around. So join us there. Uh, Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk again soon. Go well.